0: to The Hope Project. On this podcast, we talk about matters of sex, sexuality, sexual shame, purity, and how that all relates to Jesus and God. We hope that through this podcast, you'd be able to recapture the beauty of sexuality. Journey with us as we seek to better understand sex and find freedom along the way. This podcast is a part of season one. If you haven't yet listened to the trailer for season one, I recommend you do that now before listening to this podcast. On this episode, Sarah shares with us her ideas, thoughts, and perspective on masturbation. Sarah has a tender heart, and she serves as a spiritual director and supervisor. She graduated with an MA in spiritual formation and soul care and has a BA in sociology. I'm so excited for you all to hear from her in this episode and for the hope it may bring you. Let's dive on in. Hey guys, and welcome to the podcast today. We are here with Sarah, and we are talking about a very fun word uh, that Christians really like to use often, and that's the word masturbation. Um, <laughs> even as I say that, there's some awkwardness <laughs> coming out of me and my 14-year-old kind of immature self. But Sarah, we are here today to talk about it. You have a lot to say, but before we get into that, I want to hear a little bit about your journey, your story, what has brought you here today to the woman that you are. Just tell us a little bit. Give us the briefs overview, the Soren over California view of Sarah Brown. Yeah.
1: I can't include the smells that Soren California provides, but hopefully a good backdrop. Well, we
0: can but, we can incorporate that later.
1: Perfect. Uh, so yeah, my name is Sarah, and I grew up um, in a small rural town in eastern Washington. <laughs> uh, so is come this near in, Spokane? It's a little bit more south.
0: Tri-Cities? That's correct, okay. yeah. You mm-hmm. know Madison Powers, right? I do, okay. yeah.
1: I, I. She came to Vail because of me. Right. That's right, that's yeah. right. We've talked about this. Um, so yeah, I grew up in a small kind of agricultural town and um, grew up in a family that I think is pretty unique in that they were, I would say, first-generation Christians. Mm-hmm. So they came into their marriage very broken and very aware of God's grace. (laughs) And I think I kind of experienced both the charismatic love of that Mm -hmm. and a lot of the grace of that and also some of the baggage of kind of being um, new conformed into the image of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but I'm really thankful. One thing as we talk about sexuality is my parents talked about sex openly often, which I think is not normal for a lot of Christian families. And because my dad... Um, and my mom got pregnant three months into dating, and my dad had already had a previous kid. Got it. Sexuality was just something that was like very <clears throat> open. I remember one time, like on a walk, my dad telling me, like, us browns are just horny. <laughs> and so it was like a very like normal thing for my family to discuss sexuality, and I am like very thankful How old for that. Are you. I think I was like 13.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: So that is something that is like in this backdrop of yeah. my sexuality. That like, was I something. appreciate
0: the openness, but I don't know about 13. Yeah. Didn't want to hear it, it so, but, yeah. you know,
1: it was there. <laughs> um, yeah. So currently uh, I went to Biola as an undergrad and then went and worked for a foster care agency for a few years. Um, So worked with a lot of children who had experienced sexual abuse Mm -hmm. and the negativity of sexual trauma Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and then came back for my master's in spiritual formation where I became an RD afterwards and work full time as a spiritual director and spiritual director supervisor. So that's kind of what I'm doing now.
0: So the fact that you were an RD means you spent a lot of time with students and a lot yeah. of time with college students, yeah. which your dad would probably also call horny <laughs> college students. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm sure <clears throat> the topic of masturbation has at least come up hesitantly uh, with your students. So kind of what, what has been your journey with this topic that we're talking about today, with masturbation, <clears throat> yeah. with our culture, with how we talk about it? What has been your experience?
1: Yeah. Great question. Um. So I... um. I think because I was open with sharing my story, I got to hear from a lot of students. So a little bit about my story of masturbation um, is I actually think I discovered it pretty innocently. Um, mm-hmm. I think I was around like six or seven. I don't know the age exactly, but uh, we had a membership to the the court club, which was a community <laughs> pool uh, for just like two months. And I remember mm-hmm. in that two month period um, discovering that the water jet, if it hit just right, created like the best little tingle. Mm -hmm. Um, And from that, I had no idea what it was. There was no category in my brain. I was young, naive, but there was something that was kind of awoken where I'm like, oh, there's something that happens when... When there's pressure.
0: And fun fact, me and Sarah were talking right before we started recording, and I actually experienced masturbation for the first time in the exact same way—not at the country club, but in my hot tub. But <laughs> continue, Sarah. Yeah, going.
1: a pool is a pool of a pool some is sort. A pool
0: and they have jets apparently. Yep. Uh uh-huh.
1: um, And so there was not much more to it, but around fifth grade, I went to. Um, a slumber party with a bunch of girls Mm -hmm. Um, and in the slumber party was awoken to the reality that there were different ways to kind of experience that feeling Um, which I still don't think I had a category of the word masturbation Mm -hmm. but I think in that moment I was aware that there's something maybe dirty about it but I don't even know if I knew knew it was sexual it was just something like oh this might be like this is a part of my body that I'm not supposed to touch there's a feeling but I don't Mm -hmm. think it was like a sexual like oh this is what sex is or anything like that but it's crazy
0: because I think Summer parties. I don't know if parents know, but oh, yeah. I feel like summer parties, especially like pre-pubescent and like once you hit puberty, but especially before, there's just like this curiosity. Yeah, I know. For me, a lot of like my early and quote unquote sexual experiences were at like summer parties. Whether talking about it, like just noticing that yeah. other people had certain parts that I had. Um, but it's like I don't think my parents ever knew this is something that was happening in the life of their kid. So yeah. it's fascinating to hear again, the same same kind of story of just like, oh wow, wow, this is a thing. But even at like fifth grade, you kind of probably started to know like, okay, this seems bad. Yes, like this yeah. seems like this should be bad.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because I think if I even, I'm a little bit older than probably most college students, I'm mm-hmm. 31. And I think at that time, like what was presented in media even was a little bit more conservative than what I now. Oh, yeah. So even I'm like, if <laughs> I was a kid today experiencing what I experienced in fifth grade, I think I would already have a script for it, mm-hmm. but I didn't. And I'm very thankful I didn't have a script because mm-hmm. I think that has helped. Um, yeah, it has helped my journey to understand and have grace towards myself because yes. I didn't have a script that felt negative, mm-hmm. that it was then framed, or that it was even... sexual thing in some ways so i think that's been a way that i've been able to kind of experience grace towards Mm -hmm. myself in that um but it became a bigger deal um in seventh grade i started getting really bad migraines um Mm -hmm. so i was and i think there's some like psychodynamic stuff that was at play of why i was getting migraines um so i was getting migraines my parents had decided to pull me out of school because they uh, were worried about my attendance and i would fail the Uh, grades they thought like let's just homeschool her But my parents both worked full time. So what homeschooling (laughs) meant (laughs) was that they gave me some textbooks and then I was left all day by myself um, to go through some pages. But I was experiencing some really bad migraines at the time and just felt deep, deep loneliness. Mm -hmm. And so in that, I had nine, 10 hours by myself every day where I was left to my own demise in some ways. And I think also was experiencing a lot of suffering, a lot of confusion. Um, and a lot of loneliness. Yeah. And from that, being able to discover my body in some ways became an outlet to kind yeah. of I think escape from what was happening um, emotionally. Yeah. So masturbation became something that was almost on the daily for about two years, and it was very much connected I think to like my emotional state of like escaping and it mm-hmm. being a way of coping well, even and self medicating. Like, you're
0: experiencing pain like because of your migraines. Like yeah orgasm for one thing is like proven to help yes. with headaches. Yeah. <laughs> so even like physically soothing yourself
1: in a lot of ways. Totally. Yes, exactly. So it became this huge thing where I, I remember like having still, I can like viscerally remember those years of like feeling so dirty and like so hidden. Like I can't tell mm-hmm. anyone about this. And then thinking while I was doing it, like, but God, like has, this has to be okay. Cause it feels so good. Like yep. rationalizing it in my mm-hmm. mind. It's like, innocence, even though I think I knew that it maybe wasn't as innocent, and I was kind of more aware of sexuality at that time. Um, And so I think in eighth grade, I told my parents, um, like, that this was something that I was navigating. Again, because my parents had talked about yeah. sexuality pretty Which openly. Which I
0: don't think, maybe if your parents hadn't, you know, at 13, told yeah. you that the browns are horny, I don't know if you would have had that, because I never had that conversation with yes. my parents, and I don't know anyone that really has. Well, so here's the surprising thing,
1: that even though I had it, I think the responses I still internalized was really bad.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> um, let's, let's get into
1: that. So they, <laughs> they talked about it, um, but my mom's response to it was she never brought it up again.
0: Yep.
1: So it became this thing of like, okay, this can happen, but I just can't talk about this. hmm And actually, it was never brought up ever again in my family once I had confessed it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for my dad, he told me, like, that there was consequences for me masturbating because I had experienced my own pleasure. I would never be satisfied with the way a man could pleasure me. Wow. So then there was automatically, like, oh, I had done something wrong, and it's going to ruin me for the rest of my life. Yeah, permanent. Yeah.
0: Not just, like, oh, this may have consequences for tomorrow or for next week. It's this is permanent now.
1: Yes. So both of those messages, both the, like, indirect, like, Don't talk about this. Like, And in some ways, I think I remember feeling like, oh, I didn't get in trouble, so this is gracious. Mm -hmm. So I remember feeling really thankful, but I think I internalized this message of, like, don't talk about this, and, like, my sexuality is forever ruined because I've practiced this. Yeah. So after telling them, I think my response automatically was to shut down my sexuality. Yep. Um, And so I did not... Touch myself ever again. I would like to say <laughs> that's not true. Um, but you never even looked at yourself. Yeah, in the mirror. I was done. Um, but it really led to like the shutting down of my sexuality and seeing it as a really bad thing, which I don't think I had experienced until this moment of actually kind of coming forward and kind of trying to confess. Like what that led was actually deeper shame.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I never talked about it until my junior year of college. So wow. for about seven years, that's it went time. totally unspoken. But it was like this lie in the back of my brain that I think Satan really used to like create the script that I was bad, unworthy, broken, unlovable. Like all those things kind of became a Mm -hmm. big part that was connected to this hidden secret. Mm -hmm. And then my junior year, I had like this really good group of solid friends during my undergrad. Um, And I remember telling two of them and then being like, oh yeah, us too. And it was this moment of like, what like <laughs> no way. there are other people in the world that are women that have had this like I totally thought that I was like this one single island that had a sexuality and no other woman had a sexuality mm-hmm. and um that I was the only one that had ever walked this journey and it was that became the most like normalizing helpful thing like oh there are other people and so from that I think I became a little bit more open like yeah this is a part but it wasn't something that it felt so distant like I did this seven years ago or this is something I did forever ago Um, But then my first year of grad programs, I lived by myself for the first time ever again and, like, I think resurfaced a lot of that loneliness that I never healed or kind of connected to. And so my first year of grad studies, it, like, resurfaced. And I realized, like, oh, this is a deeper well. Like, I can't just shut this down. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a part of me. Like, I'm a sexual human being. Mm -hmm. And so what does this mean? That I have these desires, I'm awakening these desires, that this isn't always the healthiest thing if I'm trying to soothe the loneliness there's a deeper wound and how do I kind of touch into that wound but I think that has led me onto like a five year journey of really asking questions of like what is the role of masturbation Mm -hmm. where do we how does God think about this and um, yeah like what what is my calling as someone that has committed her life as being under the lordship of Jesus Mm -hmm. and thinking that he's like lord of my sexuality what does that mean Mm -hmm. Um, and it also has been a space where I've been able to be open like, I oversaw an all-women's residence hall, and so to kind of even name, like, that that was a part of my yeah. story, I think, gave permission yeah. to have other women share, like, oh, me too, and for that to be a normalized part of, like, women want to have sex too, and that's a okay what? thing, <laughs> no and we can way. think through that, so, yeah. yeah.
0: I, well, I think something that maybe, before we get into some of the other stuff we want to talk about, I guess, one thing I think that came up while you were sharing is kind of, your father, well, your mother didn't talk to you about it, which... I think silence teaches almost just as much as words. Um, So that taught you a lot. But your father saying like, "This is this is permanent in a sense. Like this is permanently damaged." So like, what was your process of like through high school and even into college? Like, I feel like there had to be this anxiety of like any guy you dated, any guy you were interested in. Like you know deep down that's lingering in the background. At some point you may have to have that conversation Mm -hmm. that you permanently damaged yourself. Mm So can you, can you dive a little bit more into, like, what was going on in your mind as yeah. you were going through high school? Because you're not alone in hearing that message. Yeah. Um, I know many girls and some guys, it's mostly told to girls and to guys um, that kind of you're permanently damaged. So what was kind of going on? in your internal world as you're like walking through high school and, you know, school dances and dating and then college and guy rads <laughs> and all these different things. What yeah. was kind of going on in Sarah Brown's mind?
1: Yeah. And I think still is like, I don't yeah. think it's, yeah, it hasn't stopped. It obviously. hasn't stopped even though I'm but entering. Especially before you but, told anyone else, yeah.
0: like once junior year happened to those girls and I'm sure there was some growth, but before yes. then, yeah. what was it like?
1: I think that like, part of my shutting down of my sexuality was shutting down desire and romance. And so in some ways, I think I felt like I was the owner of my sexuality and romance and that nothing can control me, so everything was held at a distance, Mm -hmm. as I think of a way to protect that wound. And so I don't think I even, like, I went to dances, I was fairly popular and wasn't engaged in my high school, but Mm -hmm. never really liked a guy, because I don't think I gave myself permission to like a guy, because I think I thought there was no, um, like, this part of me wouldn't be accepted, so I'm not Mm -hmm. even going to give space for that to be engaged. Yeah. Um, and so I actually, my first big relationship actually was the same year that I told some girls. Got it. Um, and so I dated a guy for about a year and a half in undergrad and around the same time I told those girls, I actually had a conversation with him hmm. and I think, um, we had probably for about a month, I knew that I had to share cause he had shared some stuff with me and I was able to hear that. But then I mm-hmm. thought like, it's okay for guys to have this, <laughs> but if I share with him, yeah for sure he'll break up with me because this Mm -hmm. isn't a girl's thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And thankfully his response to me was like so gracious and loving. Um, And so I've shared it with two guys and both of them have been like amazing. And I feel very thankful for that. Um, But I think my response is not to engage sexuality at all or even romance. Like Mm -hmm. my response was to really like, be the master of it and control it mm-hmm. and to not have it any space in my life because yeah. it was this deep wound that I was afraid of being touched yeah. um, and so sadly I don't think it it probably would have been good for it to be bumped a little bit more than what it was but because mm-hmm. I had protected it so much it never yeah. got bumped until
0: you had to I yeah. mean you had to cut it off because I think facing it without any help facing it would have been almost impossible yes so you kind of had to cut it off but yeah. I think what's so cool in that story is I think for any guy or girl listening to this podcast and like walking through with the girlfriend or boyfriend like hey I'm gonna share about my story (laughs) with pornography I'm gonna share about my story with masturbation like you didn't marry that guy no but like to have that guy affirm you and validate you is huge Mm -hmm. and I think so often unless it's like gonna be their spouse people are like very hesitant and judgmental about these things So I think even just a word Mm -hmm. of wisdom from that is like hey like even if you're not going to marry this person, you don't know. Yeah. But, like, think of the growth and the life and the joy and the freedom you can give to someone just by being like, hey, mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I'm going to marry you, <laughs> but I'm not going to not marry you because of this now. Yeah. Um, and to validate
1: someone in that way. Well, and I think that's part of what the dating process is, is to yeah. discern that. what it and should so be. You're holding... Doesn't mean on date three, tell them about your (laughs) sexual past. First date when you're mini
0: golfing, you know, and you got a drink in you and it's just like, hey, I need to tell you something. Yeah, (laughs)
1: probably not wise. But if part of what dating is, even in the long term, I think you're in a discernment process of, is this the person? And part of that is knowing, can they respond to the parts of Mm -hmm. me that are broken with love and compassion? Mm -hmm. And that needs to be a part of our discernment. And -hmm. so if we're we're waiting until we're engaged to kind of reveal these sexual parts of us, Mm -hmm. we're not going to know, because that would be a part of, I'm not married, but I would imagine is a part of marriage is that there will still be sexual baggage and yep. to see if they can respond yep. with love and compassion. And so yeah. I think that has to be part of your discernment mm-hmm. to know how they can sit and respond with you. And so yeah.
0: which is so funny because yeah. I think people often it's like you ask the question of like, OK, is this a person that can hold me well? Is this a person that can like love me well when I share this, which is like beautiful questions asked even a friendship. Yeah. But I think so often the question we're asking, is this person a good person? <laughs> is this person someone who doesn't have baggage? And I'm like, those are the wrong questions to ask but i think that's yeah. that's the difference we're asking questions i think which is good but we're asking the wrong one it's like okay is this person have they made all the right steps um yeah. which i think we'll, as we'll get into later
1: totally. it's
0: way more of a wisdom thing way more of a character thing way more of a conscience thing than a behavioral right or wrong yeah so speaking of that unless you have something else you want to share well this is probably a sidestep too but like go, there's go a sense
1: it. of like i think to name that like everybody's sexuality is broken and yep. so like My sexuality was just as broken when I wasn't engaging it because I had turned off a switch to something Mm -hmm. that is a part of me. And that is just as broken as me engaging in masturbation. And so, like, to have an understanding for anybody but for ourselves, like, our sexuality innately is broken if we understand the gospel to be what it says it is. That Mm -hmm. we are – all parts of us have been disoriented because of the fall. Mm -hmm. And that includes our sexuality. And so anyone Mm -hmm. that thinks theirs isn't is sorely Mm -hmm overestimating. Their, yeah. They're wrong. <laughs> it's okay. You can say that. But I think like just because you haven't engaged doesn't mean that your sexuality is broken. Yeah. And I was actually, yeah. the more damaging part of my sexuality was the moments that I had shut down because that was the yeah. harder thing to navigate awakening yep. than when I was actually engaging in masturbation. Yeah.
0: Which I think is what we're going to talk about is kind of, there is beauty in what God created. I mean, even mm-hmm. like you as an eight year old thinking like, okay, well this feels good. So God must be somehow behind this, yeah. which like, that's just a beautiful thought as an eight-year-old to know like i'm not sure how i feel about this but i think this is good like there's some way that this is supposed to be good um but i think we're so scared of diving into how are some of these you know maybe gross things we want to call on maybe inappropriate things how are these things actually really good Mm -hmm. and so we kind of just shy away and kind of repress and don't acknowledge and so kind of moving from that, um, I know we want to talk a little bit about what we think the Bible has to say about this topic, if it has anything to say at all. And I know, Sarah, you have some thoughts on that. So just, you just start firing away at us yeah. about the Bible and the Old <laughs> Testament and Judah. And all those Tamar. things. I want to steal your fire, but get into Great. it. Great.
1: Well, I think when first name, like when Colton first asked me if I would talk about this, I was like, no, because i won't be able to give you some concrete answers and i think i want to like create this giant framework that i think that this is a really gray area mm-hmm. and even though i have created a framework for myself i think that there is a lot of gray mm-hmm. and i don't want my framework to be perceived as like this is the only way or this is the right way or um this is how i have come to kind of process my own sexuality and to kind of really think through what does it mean to to navigate that i'm a sexual being mm-hmm. but still trying to follow Conservative sexual ethic and still trying to follow Jesus, okay. um, and so I think they're. I just want to name that this is gray.
0: Well, this, this is exactly why I asked Sarah to be on today is because she acknowledges the gray. I mean, because the podcast would be literally about fifteen seconds if we had a clear answer. If it's like, "Hey, Sarah, is masturbation bad?" Yes, <laughs> Leviticus twenty seventeen. Yeah. It's like, well, okay. One, I need to fill up this like 30 plus minute slot time. I but two, but two, there actually is a greatness in scripture about this topic. So let's get into it.
1: Yeah. So I think that if you've ever looked up things on masturbation, the one thing that maybe... <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> I'm sure they have. What does
0: the Bible say? Like they then, oh. like they clear their browser history after that, but it's like, what does the Bible say about well, masturbation?
1: Well, confession, I totally did that today just to see oh, if there were course. other things. Yeah. So I, I was mean, like, are there I'm things sure I'm
0: sure a say? lot of, and if people haven't, it's because they're probably just repressing or, you know, yeah. are n- innately not sexual, which is okay. I mean, some people are asexual, yeah. um, but keep going.
1: Yes. So whenever you look up masturbation, the thing that always kind of comes up, and I've seen this used fine, and then I've seen this be really taken out of context but is the passage with in Genesis 38 with Tamar and that whole story is so so confusing but the overarching story of Tamar is that she was married to a the Bible says a wicked man and God killed him leaving Tamar (laughs) childless (laughs) yeah so Judah the father of the wicked man gave his other son to Tamar
0: which was customary you kind of you had to the brother had to take over yeah kind of rights of the you're
1: you're providing a line of heritage which is really important. Um, and so that man knew that that child wouldn't be considered his because it'd be considered his older brother. Mm -hmm. He, um, what is the word that they use? That he like got rid of his seed, He
0: poured his seed onto the ground. He poured (laughs) his
1: seed onto the ground. So people, and then it says that this was a wicked deed and. God killed him. Yep. And so people have used this as like a way to say that masturbation is wrong because God killed this wicked man. But I think that's missing the point of this story. No, no, no.
0: This story is (laughs) is exactly about masturbation. It's not about taking care of widows.
1: Yeah, not at all. So I feel like if, I don't even feel like we need to even talk about this passage because I just don't think it's Relevant, but I think it needs to be brought up because it's the yeah. one thing that... Well, what
0: about the other big passage about cut off your right hand if it causes you to sin? Is that about masturbation? I do not think so. Oh, probably not. not steely. <laughs> probably more than likely.
1: Um, so I do think, though, there are things that the scripture says about our sexuality that we need to keep in mind uh, mm-hmm. as we think about masturbation. And so this is less about masturbation, but I think is an overarching force, our sexuality and then we have to think about, like, well, how does this impact masturbation? Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm using the word masturbation a lot. So hopefully you guys have gotten past the part of giggling every time I say it. But not, if not, that's okay. I'm
0: giggling internally every single time. And out loud. Sometimes.
1: Out loud. That's great. Um, so I think the first thing is the scripture is really clear about lust. And so Jesus takes lust really seriously. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says that if you are lustfully looking at a woman, it's like you're committing adultery. Mm-hmm. And so, whatever that means, whatever role lust has in masturbation, I think that is where it gets into maybe more of a...
0: Maybe a little bit more black and white. Yeah. Once that comes into play, yeah.
1: Exactly. So, I think, you know, people might disagree with me, with me but I think if you're using porn as a means to masturbate too, that probably is um, approaching the line of, <laughs> of sin. Yes. Um, yeah. If we want to look at it that way. but. So I think the lustful is like a place that we need to think. This is where I think men and women might be a little different. Um, I do know a lot of women that – I don't want to say a lot, but a good chunk of women that use pornography. So I don't want to say that this is just a a men's issue. Um, But I think for a lot of women, they can totally engage in masturbation separate from a fantasy world.
0: And for men – Masturbation and pornography are, are pretty tied together. They're pretty hand in hand. Yes, no pun intended. But they're pretty kind of <laughs> uniquely uniquely tied together because that's often how men are kind of introduced to masturbation and pornography. At least in today's culture, pretty much at the same time.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, if they get introduced to it by a friend or by the internet, it's it's kind of it happens at the same time. So I I see why, especially in men, because they're more of the pornography users. Which women, the number is growing.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, when you start masturbating with pornography, it doesn't make sense then when you're not using pornography to not still then fantasize or lust. Yes, um, yeah. I have, I have some friends that we we talked about this. My house uh, likes to talk about sexual things from time to time in a in a mature you know mature way. Um, but we eighty five percent of the time. <laughs> i would say fifty. Um, <laughs> and we were talking about masturbation they're like well yeah like we think lust is the problem not necessarily the, the act of masturbation yeah. and it's like so if i just think of like football <laughs> then it's okay and i'm like okay one how macho macho or even man where you're just going to like think of football and like it's okay and i'm like all right. it's like for most guys i know i think it's playing with fire mm-hmm. because i don't know many that can turn off and we can get into a little bit more of those differences but let's stick let's stick with like the biblical framework yeah what more does the bible have to say about this outside of outside of lust yeah
1: i think the the second thing that we think of so whenever you talk about sexual ethic first corinthians six gets thrown into the bag Mm -hmm. which is about prostitution but i think it has a lot of um things that could be connected to masturbation indirectly um so one is this idea that um he talks about like the difference between like your bodily needs of food and your bodily needs for sexuality. And he says Mm -hmm. like, we are not, um, we are not controlled by our body. So Paul is doing something where he is saying that like our biological sexual needs are different than our biological needs for like food and water and Mm -hmm. sleep. And so I think I have heard some arguments for masturbation, like it's just a biological thing that you just need to do. Mm -hmm. And I think as Christians, we have to say like, we're not animals. Yeah. And we actually think that our souls rule our sexuality in some ways. Mm-hmm. And so in that, we are not just given to our urges. Mm-hmm. I don't think that means that there's never a right or wrong, but th- yeah. th- that just means you need to be mindful yeah. of. Like, we yeah. are not controlled by our sexuality. So to use the excuse like, oh, this is just a bodily function, I don't think works Yeah, all the time.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's even with food and drink, though, like there's this whole thing in the Christian world called fasting, yeah. <laughs> which is, in a sense, taking control over your body for the sake of Jesus. Um, now the difference is, is that you actually need food and water to survive. Um, and I mean, obviously you need joy and happiness and fulfillment to survive in some ways. But food and water are way more intrinsically tied to like need for survival yes. than orgasm yes. in a lot of ways. And so I think people who make that comparison, although I see I see the argument, like it, it makes sense in some ways. But for the most part, it's not the same kind of need by any means. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, for the most part if sex was so needed, then Jesus or Paul probably should have been married and, you know, been having sex because they needed that bad. Like, they needed food and water. Mm. Um, But anyway, that's a completely (laughs) different conversation. And I
1: think we have to ask that, though, if if this conversation includes, like, what do we do with singleness? Which Mm -hmm. it should, Mm -hmm. because... Single people have a sex drive no um,
0: you don't have it till you're married honey for some reason you know wedding night as soon as you say i do it's all of a sudden you just realize just you have in. something in your pants <laughs> and it all turns on wow uh, it's crazy i've seen it at many a wedding uh where yeah. all of a sudden the guy you see it in his eyes he's like whoa
1: normally during the first dance, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first dance. Yeah. this is totally digressing but i was at a wedding the other day where the the first dance i was like this is sex on a floor but not having sex. Like, it was like oh, you really? could feel the intensity.
0: Were they like, was it like not like an Ed Sheeran song, but more of like a slow R&B or something? I don't
1: even know if I heard the song because I just felt so <laughs> uncomfortable watching what I was witnessing.
0: <laughs> That's funny because I know most first dances are I'm like, this is the most asexual thing I think I have ever seen. I'm like, you guys aren't moving. I don't even oh, know if you guys are one. talking um so i'd probably rather have the super sexual one th- than the one where i'm just like do you guys even like each other
1: <laughs> like- that's well it's funny because i was like am i the only one and i look around and i see like a person like chugging their beer like you like, can like see the whole room and be like is it okay that we're watching this <laughs> so yeah. okay back to uh scripture um so i think also with this passage we we are realizing that um Sexuality connects us to someone. So he says, like, don't connect yourself to a prostitute because you're then like unified with a yes, prostitute. Yes. And I think. Which
0: we... psychology completely backs up.
1: Yes. So I think we have to address the issue that somehow an orgasm is meant to be towards somebody. Mm-hmm. And if we're not lusting, mm-hmm. then what does it mean that we are experiencing an orgasm, but it's not moving in a direction to towards someone? Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is the thing that is. Hardest for me to wrap around as, like, a, someone that is single, what does it mean to experience an orgasm during masturbation, but that it, uh, it's arrowed towards the thing that's supposed to unify me mm-hmm. isn't being pointed in a direction? Yeah. And that is the thing that I think we have to, like, wrestle with yeah. in some ways. Which
0: Well, and if you're, not, if you're not pointing it to someone in a romantic relationship, or if you're not pointing it to someone in a lustful, pornographic relationship, then either you're pointing it towards yourself, yeah. which is kind of this idolatrous I'd say I mean there's this idea of self-love and self-care that's good like loving yourself that's good (laughs) but I think there's a certain aspect of kind of auto erotica where you are in a sense like becoming attached to yourself
1: yeah and in some ways you are the thing that can be the author yep of that and there's some goodness to that I think Especially in like the damage the way purity culture talked about Mm -hmm. women and their sexuality that we had Mm -hmm. no power of our sexuality. There's some Mm -hmm. goodness to that, but I also think it swings the arrow like too much to the other side where we are the only author of our sexuality. Yeah, and Um, I don't
0: think it sets you up for if you do ever enter into a romantic relationship if mm -hmm. you spent you know every other day every five days masturbating without lusting because you're a good Christian person. Yeah, like okay, the reality is you've been you know subconsciously learning i know how best to pleasure myself and this orgasm is about my pleasure mm-hmm. which like the biblical narrative even in first corinthians 6 i think is talking about no your orgasm is sense, you're putting it down for the other yeah you're supposed to seek the other's interest and so even masturbation without lust when it's just about yourself you're just gratifying your own needs which i imagine is going to be taking some baggage Um, into the wedding room not because you're permanently damaged but because you spend a lot of time focusing on yourself and your needs
1: and you're reaching it at a certain speed by yourself yep at a certain pace (laughs)
0: especially for guys
1: that like is not realistic in a marriage dynamic i have
0: a lot of friends who are recently married and that is one of the biggest things of just like their wives are like slow down yeah and i'm like okay generally let's say biologically guys are quicker sure but I think it's also because, guys, I spent so much time masturbating, so much time looking at pornography, that it's within a minute, two minutes each time. Mm-hmm. And that's just not how sex works. No. Um, so, yeah. But yeah. Let's, keep, let's keep going with, with the Bible and, and different things about how this all relates.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think that, that those are my big parts. I think there's one thing that I would want to name, though, is um, this kind of connects to my idea that we are like, Actually, this is a backwards thought, so sorry. That's okay. Uh, But Pope John Paul, he says something to the fact and his, like, I'm not even going to be a say, his Familiar Consorto, which is a very conservative sexual ethic that the Catholics were in. It is. But um, he says, like, Consequently, sexuality is by no means something purely biological, but concerns the innermost being of the human person as such. Mm -hmm. And so if we really, and I think I experienced this working with foster kids who had experienced sexual trauma, like Mm -hmm. kids that experience sexual trauma, there's something that is way more broken than something that, Mm -hmm. like a a child that experienced neglect that didn't eat for two weeks.
0: Or even physical abuse.
1: Yes. There's something so connected to our souls and sex Mm -hmm. that if we separate those things, we are we're missing the power of what Correct. sex really is, yes. um, and so I think we are not ruled by our bodies, but we have to also give reverence that our sexuality is so connected to who we are and our souls, and that it has power and yeah. when it's abused or when it's done wrongly, like it it creates yeah a ridge which so. is
0: which is why I think in in my generation, moving out of purity culture, moving out of i kiss dating goodbye, yeah. <laughs> moving out of. You know, every young man's battle is a book I read. And the chapter was the M word. It didn't even say masturbation. (laughs) Um, I think in some ways, like, I want to vouch, like, sex is good. Like, your desire is good. Like, your body is good. Like, discover it. Like, learn about it. Like, figure out what that means to you and means to God. But at the same time, like, this is serious. Like, we don't want to swing too far with the reality of, like, no, this is supposed to be a soul bonding. Not like the stupid analogies purity culture gave us where it's, you know, permanent you're damaged forever but there is a reality of like this is a big deal like this matters and it's supposed to be a big deal in like a really good way like this is a big deal like your wedding day is a big deal yeah there's some consequences if you do some things wrong but at the end of the day this is supposed to be a really good thing by God you should take it serious in some ways yeah Um, have fun with it like have fun in your wedding day but like plan it you know (laughs) like figure out how to do it well like figure out who's coming like figure out who's involved Um,
1: well I think too so this is one thing I'm thankful that my parents talked about sex a lot is it I think we oftentimes think about sex in the new sense of, like, our honeymoon. Yeah. But I actually think part of what sex is for is the long term of marriage. Yep. So even, like, I think a lot Longevity of our culture of it, yeah. is saying, like, we're not meant to be monogamous. Mm-hmm. And I actually think in some ways, at least this is according to my wisdom of my parents, but, like, the whole purpose of sex is that you're with somebody and that 30 years down the road, even though you're having sex with this person, you are creating hormones that is connecting yep. you to this person that you might be really irritated with or that you just had a <laughs> fight with. And yeah. so I think we often think of sex short-term and like, the newlywed romantic stage, but it's that mm-hmm. plus it's this connecting us for the mm-hmm. long-term of the road that is hard for marriage. Yeah. And I actually think that is the grace of sex, is that, like, God has given us something that when marriage is hard, biologically, we're still connected to this person yeah. through this way. That, and obviously,
0: you don't use it to, like, disassociate. No, <laughs> no. But no. to actually connect. I, I've, yeah. I talk with so many of my friends who are dating, and all of them are struggling with sex with their girlfriend or boyfriend. Yeah. And it's funny when they, like, since I'm doing this podcast and I've done other things with sex, I'm like a confidant, I guess. Um, and so one of them was talking to me. And he's like, Yeah, like we messed up the other night. And I'm like, Okay, well, like, what was your night like? Dude, it was awesome. Like, we went on this date. We had this awesome time. I'm like, oh, I'm like, No crap. Like, you're going to want to get physical after that. because yeah. I'm like, You're just enhancing. Like, you're connecting. Like, and that's what sex is. It's naturally connecting. Or mm-hmm. sometimes it'll be like, Yeah, we got in this big fight and like we were really mad at each other. And then next thing we know, like, I was up her shirt. And I'm like, Of course. Like, that makes sense because, again, sex is supposed to be a a reconnection, a connecting force. Um, And so I'm like, not that, like, yeah, figure out how to do it before, like, figure out how to put boundaries, whatever, before you're married. Sure, whatever. Um, But it's like, that makes total sense. Because, like, your body and your hormones are telling you, I want to connect. One really good way to do this is through orgasm with another person. Um, And so when you take that other person out of the equation with masturbation, Masturbation. there's got to be some ramifications um, accordingly, Now, let's dive into a little bit um, about the differences between men and women, because um, I've, I've talked to some people, <laughs> which is funny. I'd be like, hey, I'm recording a podcast on masturbation. Like, what do you think I should talk about? Um, so I got some feedback, especially from girls is what I reached out to. And so they said, well, I want you to like, what are the differences between the two genders? Like, or are we similar? Like, yeah. in everything. So, could you speak a little to, like, what do you think the differences are in your experiences between the two genders and masturbation? Obviously, everything's on a spectrum. You know, there's a lot of crossover. But what are the differences? What are the similarities?
1: Yeah. And I don't feel like I'm an expert on this part because I only well, have the female I mean, perspective. You started when you were, like, eight. So. <laughs> Just, you know, <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, no. that's a long time. Um, because I only have the female experience. And I've heard stories um, and from both men and women, but I think my, my evidence comes more from women so i would love even the
0: whole dorm of women yes okay so we'll trust you (laughs) yeah
1: um but i think the lust part is a huge thing so i think Mm -hmm. it's easier for women to experience um even a fantasy that doesn't feel sexual Mm -hmm. so does it feel like it's a lustful thing that can totally create the experience of an orgasm that i think is very different than men Mm -hmm. and i'm sure that doesn't fit all men or the categories maybe
0: men could naturally be that way but because of such of our use of pornography we've lost it yeah because i know for me honestly how i got into pornography enough to touch on this a little bit in other podcasts was through love scenes like not the sexual not nudity like it was like the notebook <laughs> it was yeah. like you know every nicholas sparks film ever um but slowly that then i lost that because okay. it got into more hardcore pornography in a sense and so you lose kind of just the romantic like no sexual, no nudity, not even the sex. It's just like this romantic, like oh, I feel connected, and there's endorphins, and like this feels nice.
1: I don't know if anyway, but I remember like watching like the Little Mermaid when I was like seven mm-hmm. years old and rewinding the kiss scene so many times. i figured out And just really like oh, this is so. But all it was was a kiss. But like mm-hmm. now that feels like nothing. But yeah, the the innocence of mm-hmm. what it could be that we've been overexposed. Yeah. So I think that is hugely different. Mm-hmm. Um. I also think that from what I understand, men start masturbating earlier than women. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think I, I know a few women that I've heard that like they have a similar experience where they kind of stumbled upon it. But if it's not that something that they stumbled apart, upon, it is something that like in their 20s yes. is something that they yes. start engaging in. Yes. But it's not something that's part of like maybe their teen high school, middle school years. But mm-hmm. I think for men, oftentimes the experience is that this is something that like, before they're even entering college, before they're even having these conversations or even the sex talk, it's something that they've already kind of explored and are mm-hmm. masters of, mm-hmm. um, which I think creates like if you're already addicted to it, um, yep. because it does have addictive properties, like mm-hmm. it's creating endorphins and oxytocin, which are all mm-hmm. addictive. Um, so if you're already addicted to it, your journey is going to be so different than someone that's like, oh, I'm exploring this. Yes,
0: it's not an exploration, it's a coping yeah. for, for a lot of men. I think I anyway. know probably like 2% of guys I've talked to and I've talked to pretty much every guy I know about this and 2% probably I know just masturbated once and they're like nope and that's it and I'm like but they are for the most part the rarity Um, where most of us they probably figured out in like teenage years um, and became masters by 18 and some of us like me like it was like you where it's like this honest curiosity where I was a master of it before I could even, before I even hit puberty, Mm -hmm. um, which was a weird phenomenon Mm -hmm. um, for a lot of guys. So imagine like the reps for guys, especially, like you're starting at age eight, starting at age 10, latest, maybe starting at age 15. And by the age of 20, when a lot of girls maybe start, not a lot, not all, um, but some girls start experiencing for the first time exploration, they're already like addicted to it out of their minds. Mm -hmm. And they don't know it because it's just like, it happens a few hours later. They have a bad conversation with their parents three hours later they do it Mm -hmm. and so they can't connect the dots Dots. that it's like oh i'm frustrated and i don't know what to do with these feelings so i'm gonna in a sense orgasm my way out of it Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is basically how most guys use it when Mm -hmm. i know that's similar for girls as well
1: i think it is so i I love that you brought that up because i feel like the biggest thing for me which has been like a part of me journeying through masturbation is to understand why i was doing it Mm -hmm. so for me oftentimes it's an experience of loneliness or it was an experience of um anger which is not an emotion that i know how to process like it's something that has been really shut down most don't know
0: how to process it (laughs) yeah
1: and so those two emotions are like the really big triggers for me but oftentimes Mm -hmm. it's like in a moment of boredom past those experiences where i'm like given the space to actually feel those things but i'm not going to feel those things i'm going to go my mind has an escape route to masturbation Mm -hmm. but i think that is so true for men and women yeah i actually think it's easier for women to identify it than it is for men oh yeah but I think... Well, women
0: are more attuned, I think, to their emotions generally. And being that could be culture. Like, women are given more feeling words. Yeah. Even stereotypes as being the more emotional ones. Well, and
1: even the stereotype that men are sexual. So yeah, I don't have to animals. think about it because yeah. I'm a sexual being. So there has to be something sexual about this because mm-hmm. I'm a man. Mm-hmm. Where for a woman, if you're masturbating, it's like, what's wrong with me? I'm a woman. I'm masturbating. So you might be asking yeah. the other questions. Well, it's
0: like, oh, this is a heightened back massage. This is a heightened back scratch in a sense. Like, I mean... But for men, it's, like, not even close. Like, you would never equate just physical pleasure yeah. with anything other than sex. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of culture, because of how you're we raised. Maybe there's some biology in there and just generally how guys and girls are different. But I think a lot of it is to do with how culturally we have conditioned men and women
1: to experience their bodies. Exactly. And so if, I feel like if anything I could say both to men and women, this is not a difference. But I think it's to understand, like, what is driving you. Mm-hmm. And if, sex. It, if, it, if your answer is sex, I'm like, okay, there might be some lust things there yeah. address that. Yeah. Um, but to ask the deeper questions of what, what, why are you running to this? What mm-hmm. are you trying to run away from? Mm-hmm. What are, what are the things in your life that are actually maybe the bigger issues than masturbation? Mm-hmm. Cause I like, I love that we're talking about this and I think it needs to be talked about, but I think masturbation is really a secondary issue to primary things. No, no
0: one, no one talks about it. It's like, I mean, I think pornography is talked about more, I think. Sex outside of marriage is talked about more. Oh, um, yeah. So many different things that are, you know, in conservative Christianity bad are actually talked about. But masturbation is like, since I think we all know generally it's kind of a gray area, mm-hmm. we have no idea what the heck to do with it. And so it's kind of just like, meh. Like, yeah. I think my mom caught me once when I was like 11. Um, and I've talked about my parents a few times on here, and I love them. Um, and it's not their fault. But I was like 11, and she caught me. But it was like when I was 11, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, it was just a physical thing. It was an innocence thing. It was a curiosity thing. And she caught me, and she's like, hey, you need to talk to your father. And then my dad, being the lovely man that he is, I love my father. Um, but he didn't know how to have that conversation because yeah. I'm like, I'm 11. <laughs> like, he doesn't know, like, what's actually going on in my mind. And so we never have the conversation. And so I intrinsically know, okay, this is something my dad doesn't want to talk about. I don't think he thinks it's that bad. This is something my mom thinks is bad because she can't talk to me about it. She needs my dad to talk to me about mm-hmm. it. Um, and so it's something, like, I, but I think in greater church culture, I would never had, outside of that Every Young Man's Battle book, where it, like, actually triggered me more reading it than actually <laughs> helping me. Um, it's actually how I found, I think, partially pornography was through that book, was because it's like, I remember this scene from Titanic, and it was the first time I ever masturbated. And I'm like,
1: what, what scene mean? in Titanic?
0: <laughs> I'm like, I've seen that film. Apparently, I have been watching it on, like, TV, <laughs> and they edited it out. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, anyway... All that is to say, like, there is no, like, not much talk. At least yeah. 10 years ago, there and I wasn't. Think,
1: I think you bring up a good point, too, because, like, how you would talk about it to an 11-year-old is different than how you talk yep. about it to a 25-year-old. Because even yeah. what we are saying is some of this, like, is very innocent and is, like, actually maybe a good and beautiful thing because you're discovering mm-hmm. your body and, like... Mm-hmm discovering your sexuality and Mm -hmm. discovering
0: and especially for women i mean they get to 20 and it's like they don't even they don't even know their bodies guys like they know it pretty well there's something hanging there (laughs) yeah we don't got that and because they've messed around for long enough but girls since the repression whatever like they don't even know
1: Um, so the conversation for 11 year olds like 11 year old colton probably needed to hear like hey like that is like an okay thing that is good yeah like kind of explain that but maybe the 25-year-old that is masturbating every day, to say like, oh, that's a good beautiful thing. Actually, maybe needs a different conversation. They yeah. need the conversation of, like, what's led you to this journey? Yeah. What are you using this for? Mm-hmm. How are you using this? Well, it's like if is you're seven, a score? If your seven-year-olds
0: going around on the preschool playground, I don't know if seven-year-olds are preschool or probably not. That's pretty old. Um, but if your seven-year-olds going around kissing kids on the lips, <laughs> like that's something you say like, hey, that's bad. Like, bad job, Johnny. Like, don't kiss. You'd be like, Johnny that's so sweet like, so, like that's so nice that you love people so much like but let's talk about the purpose for this you only kiss people that you really love and it's like a romantic thing like once you're older mm-hmm. like that conversation is much different than a 25 year old who's going around kissing people at bars Exactly. <laughs> like, it's very different exactly and what they're doing but with masturbation for some reason we don't yeah. want to talk about it but i
1: think as a 45 year old and you're talking to your or however your older dad is you might not have the lens to know he was 40. Yeah. You automatically, I think, assume it's bad or it's dirty. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And so,
0: hey, first generation Christians as well. Like, yeah. they're coming with a lot of baggage. So much grace. So that's why I didn't ever really feel bad about it. But it was in the silence where I'm like, okay, there must be something bad. This is uncomfortable. This. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I guess a question. We've already kind of addressed this. Um, but maybe specifically in, in like a shorter kind of tangent is masturbation ever a good thing or is it ever okay to do this is this is the black and white question out of everything we've talked about and I'm sure you're not gonna give me a black and white answer but yeah
1: my first thought is is it good I don't know that's the question can it be helpful Mm -hmm. maybe and that would be like the maybe that's a a good then but I would say like could it be helpful maybe Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was trying to think through in my mind like what are all the stories that I've heard about sexuality and even, I think, going back to the rewinding, but I feel like a lot of the students that I've sat with, both men and women who are in my office that are dealing with masturbation, there is often self-loathing that is really deep. Um, and I think that's part of growing up in the church culture. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think there's a part of me that wants to say, like, of course you're masturbating. Like, you're a human yeah. being. like. Yeah. So I'm like, I think I'd want to say, can it be helpful? Yes. Yeah. So some moments or some, like, stories that I thought of um, in my – my time of sitting with students is like, I know a person that masturbates um, because she has really, she has endometriosis and has terrible menstrual cramps. Mm-hmm. And she has found it to be a helpful pain reliever for her. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that feels like it's helpful. Yeah, It seems like it has a purpose and knows why it's, why it falls under the category that's not lustful. And, mm-hmm. it's- and if it's
0: not, especially like, I think for guys, it's like, okay, it's like using icy hot on your back. The yeah. problem is, is, though, if that person is, like, they know that's going to, like, I'm using this for pain, but then tomorrow I'm going to use it for lust. I think that's a very different story. But I think yours is more like, no, this is, like, yeah, it's, it hurts. You doing it <laughs>
1: once a month? Yeah. You know, like. It hurts? Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, that could be a thought. I also feel like I know a lot of people um, who are having a really hard time being pure in their <laughs> dating relationship. Pure, yeah. What does pure mean? Yeah, whatever that means. Sorry. That's not their best word. But they're <laughs> having a hard time not having sex. While they're dating somebody. Uh And that masturbation has become a place to, like, relieve that so that it's not practiced in that. Mm -hmm. I still think there's something kind of a sidestep because Mm -hmm. you're doing something that should be pointed towards someone. There's a reason you're feeling all those feelings. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, it probably is better to masturbate than to have sex. Yep.
0: Well, it's it's one of those things where it's like, the ideal would be is that you're emotionally secure enough, physically restrained enough. Yeah. Lordship of Christ over your body enough yeah um, which is not to say anyone that's less than if they're not able to do this but the hope would be that you could you know kind of cope in different ways uh, maybe more helpful ways maybe more healthy ways um, but I had a mentor that told me if the the choices are you're coming down to it you're you're fully eroticized you don't know what to do and you basically either have masturbate with hardcore pornography or masturbate with minimal lusting go with the minimal lusting yeah. like it's like if you're gonna murder a whole family or <laughs> murder just one person like yeah neither of those are ideal and i don't want to equate masturbation to that kind of gravity or extremes no but it's it's kind of like okay that yes if you have to pick one of these two
1: this is a pathway. of course
0: this is an ideal but this is okay yeah um and i i think that's kind of the line where it's like okay yeah like let's like talk about that let's figure out maybe other ways but until then if the only other option is which sometimes it is like for a lot of guys i know it's like this is the only option like it's either pornography which is going to really upset my girlfriend or masturbation with minimal lust and i'm like okay well if that's the only option right now then let's like let's we'll work with that
1: yeah exactly yeah and i think even for myself um so like i would say that masturbation is a huge part of my daily experience these days Mm -hmm. i feel like there's a lot of freedom that comes from it, but every once in a while, that experience still is true for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, and anyone's
0: lying. Maybe if they're maybe if they're married, because you know, marriage solved everything. Not really. But I would say actually, that.
1: masturbation should be happening if you're married. Yeah, I know.
0: Okay, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> just in a different way. <laughs> different, different conversation. But we'll just yeah. name that.
0: Anyone who acts like singles or marrieds are not masturbating or experiencing some form of that. They're probably lying or they're unique and that's special and that's awesome. But if we just want to sidestep and act like no one's doing this, I'm not saying that I'm condoning it in all shapes, forms, or sizes, but it's it's one of those things where like America might be one of the most gluttonous nations we've ever seen, Mm -hmm. but like we don't like call that out all the time. We know that, okay, let's not overeat. Let's not like worship food, but at the same time there's a reality of like, okay, like there's a permissible in it and mm-hmm. um, where it's okay like, hey, like we'll work with that um but we all ask like no one's overeating yeah <laughs> like no one's doing that like that's gross <laughs> um it, it's just fascinating yeah but anyway
1: but i think back to like so for myself what has become a place of freedom for me is i think like has this been lustful
0: mm-hmm.
1: am i being ruled by my sexual desire mm-hmm. in a way that is like this is the like only thing that is moving me forward that it's animalistic and Am I mindful of, like, the impacts of it? And am I addicted to it? And if mm-hmm. there's, like, a one-time experience, I think
0: yep. Jesus
1: still loves me. Yeah. And there's, like, so much space and grace for that. Yeah. And I think that has actually allowed that to not be this controlling thing because that year in post-grad, what was so hard about it is that every time I'd do it, I'd feel guilty, which mm-hmm. someone would lead me to do it because I'd yes, feel self-featured. So it led to this, like, self-feeding pattern. And for me, the actual, like, freedom came from being okay to saying like, maybe there's moments and spaces where this is all right for myself, Mm -hmm. but I don't want this to be a normal part of my life. Mm -hmm. And I actually do think there are really unhealthy things. And I actually don't think this is what the Lord has created me for. Mm -hmm. But if there's moments, I actually don't think this is a thing. Like if I do this, then Jesus doesn't love me. And if I don't do this, he loves me. And just Mm -hmm. thinking like, actually that doesn't work. That's not who I believe Jesus to be. And so if I do it, Jesus still loves me. Mm-hmm. And to actually, like, think of that while I was masturbating. And if you don't
0: do it, it's not that he loves you more. Totally. Because no, you did it.
1: Yeah. You know. But actually to, like, think about that while I was masturbating was, like, actually this thing of, like, oh, he could... You can't do that.
0: I you could can't have- <laughs> think about Jesus while you're doing that. How dare you?
1: But that was the place where I actually experienced, like, oh, yes, there's actually freedom yes. from this because this doesn't have to be the way that yes. I am experiencing intimacy. I yes. can experience intimacy with Jesus. Mm-hmm. That can actually be healing enough that this isn't the thing I have to run to. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think I'd want to say, like, masturbation is good or bad. Mm-hmm. I think there are moments that are helpful. And for me there's been a place of saying like there's a lot of grace and there's a lot of space and that this is not the thing that defines whether my sexuality is good or bad yeah and that jesus or loves me, whether you are
0: good or bad yes
1: yeah. and that jesus loves me no matter what i choose That mm-hmm. they're actually that like first corinthians 6 that's where it says like all things might be um, permissible but not all things are beneficial mm-hmm. and so what if that is the theme for masturbation like I think it's it's a, permissible. A theme
0: for a lot of stuff in the yeah. Bible. It's not this binary black and white. This is good. This is bad. It's more like, hey, here's character that you should strive for. Here's wisdom you should yeah. strive for. Figure it
1: out. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I think my framework has been helpful to give me like this isn't the thing that I want to dictate my life. I do want to have mastery over this, which there were seasons of my life where I didn't. Mm-hmm. But that there is space and grace mm-hmm. for that and. That it might not be the worst thing it might yeah. not be the thing that like the lord is most concerned about in my life
0: <laughs> i well i i beg to differ <laughs> i think he is very concerned about what you're doing well
1: i think for most of my life i think it, <laughs> yeah. it was the lie yeah, that course. satan told me yeah. that it was like it was yeah. the most like it was the thing that was wrong which with me. is
0: most people right now if yeah. they're not having sex with their boyfriend or girlfriend or if they're not looking at pornography or whatever then they are good and yeah. it's like that's just the wrong question to be asking yes. in general um but anyway I like to close this podcast kind of with two questions each time, um, focusing on hope because um, that's the title of it. It's the Hope Project, and so we want to focus on like what is the hope in the topic we are discussing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess if someone, let's say someone is listening to this right now and they are maybe where you were at, where it's they're using masturbation as a coping mechanism constantly. They maybe mm-hmm. they're addicted to it. Maybe they haven't even used the word addiction, but they know that's probably the reality. What would be your hope for that individual in this topic?
1: Yeah. Um, more than anything, I would hope that you would discover that Jesus deeply loves you mm-hmm. and that you are not hidden from him because of what you're doing, but that he still like has total eyes to see you and is loving you even while you're – I'm actually getting choked up as I say this – but that he is loving you even as you are maybe feeling shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. And that is where his love is needed the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is so much hope for you. Um and my hope is that you'd be able to share this with someone that you love and to actually be received as a whole person as you yeah. share this. Yeah,
0: I think being able to, to talk about it with someone Yeah. is is so big because just like you were sharing with your boyfriend um, in college and with your friends, it's like, man, the, the amount of hope you probably experience in that moment to be able to have them look you in the eyes, <laughs> totally. not think you're gross, not think you're dirty, not think you're less lovable, less worthy, whatever, but to say it's okay. Like, mm-hmm. we love you. Um, you are okay. You are fine. You are not less than. You are whole still mm-hmm. in Jesus. And so I guess moving from that, that is maybe for an individual, um, but the church is a big part of Christian life. Um, the church is something that we are a part of, um, whether in the greater city or in the local church. Yeah. So what would be your hope for the church um, in talking about this, in dealing with this, in approaching this? What would be your hope? What would you want to hear when you were in high school, when you were in college, when you were in your master's program? What would you want to hear from people in your church community about this?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a few thoughts that run through my mind. The first is that I just like would hope that the church could have honest conversations um, Mm -hmm. that are real and that cover things. I don't think masturbation was ever talked about in my youth group. and there's a lot of ideals that were spoken um, but I think there was like a lack of connection of the real life with the ideals um, but it's interesting because I think I am seeing like a change in church culture so I have like so much baggage from purity culture um, and think there <laughs> a was a lot, of, lot of wrong with purity culture mm-hmm. um, yet there was some truth in it yep. and I also see the church now pendulum swinging to this idea that like as long as it's consensual and loving and no one is getting hurt anything is permissible mm-hmm. and I actually like that doesn't satisfy me either as someone that wants to follow scripture. Mm -hmm. Like I want a good sexual ethic Mm -hmm. and I want the church to be able to talk about a good sexual ethic. Mm -hmm. So I think that'd be a really big hope as like, what is, what does it look like for us to be Christians that are embodying a good sexual ethic? That's talking about it. That's honest. Mm -hmm. Um, but more than anything, I think I just want the church to be a place where like, um, that we are not defined by what we do and what we don't do. But that there would be a reality that, like, all of our sexuality is broken and that that would mm-hmm. be acknowledged and that there wouldn't be mm-hmm. this, like, hierarchy of, like, good sexual ethic. Yeah. And, like, you're a good sexual person and you're a bad... The
0: best ones are, like, the heterosexual, married, didn't have sex before their wedding day couples yes. and then it kind of... Maybe works. They didn't even kiss before yeah. their wedding day. And, and it works <laughs> their way down. Like, we think it's weird that they didn't kiss, but at the same time, they're better than us. Yeah, <laughs> And it kind of works their way down. Yes, of course.
1: Yeah. But that there would just be this acknowledgement of, like, actually what the good news is for the church is mm-hmm. that... All of us are broken no matter what yeah. and that we all have been tainted and i would actually say like the person that has shut down their sexuality is just as broken as the person that is engaging in their sexuality mm-hmm. and that that is the good news of the gospel that jesus yeah. came to sin- save us and that we belong to him mm-hmm. and that is what the message of the church should be yes. and how yes. do we how do we preach that as we talk about sex in a way that is open-handed and sees that the bigger thing is less about whether we're masturbating or not but it's more mm-hmm. about the always forgiving, mm-hmm. always zealous, always loving father mm-hmm. who is chasing after us no matter yeah. what.
0: That's so good. I think so often when we I ask this question, what I hear often from the other side is, hey, the church should basically be the church. Yeah. <laughs> we, totally. get, we list a lot of like, it should be this, it should be that. And like, those are really good things. But I'm like, that's just, that's what the, that's what Jesus set up. Yeah. That's who Jesus was. And so yeah. I think... That is such, just such beautiful hope for someone struggling, for churches that are struggling, for people that are struggling.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, if you are hearing a narrative from, like, a pulpit um, that is a counter that, I hope you have people in your life that can be the opposite. That really mm-hmm. is the church. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. I think we we um, can get so hard on the church and its brokenness, and I yeah. think it is really broken, mm-hmm. but I also have experienced the people that have been the most loving and have been the places of the arms and feet to me of Jesus Mm -hmm. and so my prayer is if the church has damaged you that you would have counter narratives from the people of God that serves as a reminder of what the church really is yeah sweet
0: this has been so good Sarah yeah Um, I think so many people are going to benefit from listening to this they're going to be a little uncomfortable (laughs) going to be a little awkward um, but I think, hopefully, I, I guess the biggest advice we should end this podcast with is that talk to someone about it. Yeah. Um, experience the hope that Sarah felt when she shared with her college roommates, her college friends. Share, Experience the hope that we have felt um, with people in the church community who have welcomed us, who have opened mm-hmm. their arms to us, when the church has been a haven for those who are sexually broken, regardless of what that is, because that's, that's everyone. everyone. Um, so thank you so much, Sarah. I'm glad to have you today. We hope that Sarah's words today encourage you, inspire you, and help you reach out to talk to someone. There's immense grace for you in this. Jesus loves you deeply, regardless of what you are doing with your hands. As always, we want to make sure we clarify this episode may have triggered you sexually. It may have brought up old pain, old shame, or even old unhealthy sexual behavior. With all of these things, we encourage you to tell someone about it. Don't keep it in. Don't walk alone. Invite people into your life. And as always, if you have enjoyed what you have heard today or enjoyed what this podcast is doing and what is it about, it would help us out greatly if you could leave us a review and if you could subscribe to the podcast. This helps us reach other people and this helps us fulfill what this podcast is ultimately trying to do, which is bring hope to those who are trapped, those who are struggling, and those who are wondering what to do with sexuality. Okay that's it from here everyone. And as always we are going to read from Romans 15:13. May the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope.